Welcome back to Curious Combinations and Everything's Unoriginal Podcast. I'm AF Tanath, and today I'm covering Castlevania Season 2, Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Episode 4 opens with quite a lot of gore, actually. It's Godbrand in flashback, and he's slaughtering innocent people, and if we're all being honest with each other, wasting a whole hell of a lot of blood instead of actually drinking it. And I bet he regrets that now, because things at Dracula's castle are currently very much nothing like the way his life used to be. There's no hunting of human livestock, no bloodbaths, no joy. If he wants blood, he has to drink it from a pig, and that might be alright for the likes of Angel and the Cullens, but Godbrand is not going to stand for it. Back at the Belmont treasure trove, Alucard is being his moody goth boy self, and Trevor stumbles across a cracked mirror that he doesn't know what to make of. And as much as I've been getting Dragon Age Origins vibes off the hero's half of this story all along, so too am I reminded of Origins here, specifically the Dalish Elf Origin and the Witch Hunt DLC. Because just like the Illuvians of that franchise, Castlevania now introduces a magic mirror of its own. It's not going to work as a quick travel portal for our heroes, no, but it does offer up the possibility of remote viewing if they can fix the worn-off activating language on the frame. So, after getting into a tiny little tiff with Alucard, Trevor explains a bit more of his family history and the origin of his name to Sypha, and their laughter is like a neon sign over their heads, begging the audience to sign on for this ship. I, of course, am here for the OT3, and from the look on Alucard's face as he listens to Sypha's giggling, I'm kind of willing to bet he is too. And then there's Hector. Carmilla continues to whisper in his ear, trying to sever his loyalty to Dracula. They argue over whether the man really loved Lisa, and Hector's defense of the idea mostly revolves around insisting that Dracula is capable of love, which feels like projecting, honestly. Between you and me, I'm completely on Carmilla's side of this disagreement. I imagine that in the long run, Dracula not turning Lisa into a vampire is going to be presented as a kind of respecting her choices thing that he may or may not presently regret. But yeah, I'm Team Carmilla. Lisa was this guy's pet. If you're immortal, and they're not, and they refuse to become immortal, call me narrow-minded, but that dynamic feels like the vampire equivalent of a summer fling at best. Her larger argument, of course, is just as valid as its foundations. I think she's right about Dracula's love for Lisa. I think she's right about his present sanity. And I think that above all else, she's right to point out that he's essentially going to kill them all because his favorite toy got smashed. Someone needs to stop him, and while I'm sure that it's ultimately going to be Trevor, Sypha, and Alucard, I don't at all hold it against Carmilla for trying. She's not exactly a hero here, no, and she's a manipulator above all else but that doesn't change the fact that she is absolutely fucking right. And so, she lays out her plan for Hector. He must convince Dracula to take the castle to Brela, where Carmilla's forces are waiting to overthrow him. It's the right move, pretty unambiguously, and I feel kind of bad for Hector because he obviously doesn't really want to be going along with her plan. But again, Carmilla's the one who actually, you know, is looking at the larger picture right now. Hector is very short-sighted, and so yeah, use him for all that he's worth. And then we move into flashback. It's Isaac's recruitment scene. He lives out in the desert in an eerie stone building that even the wolves are apparently too scared to approach, and the story takes a moment to very clumsily introduce the audience to the backstory of how Isaac and Dracula met. It's genuinely the worst writing I've seen from the show so far, one of the most heavy-handed as-you-know scenes that I've ever come across. Apparently, Dracula saved Isaac from people who wanted to kill him and sell him for his magically powerful parts, which has a certain irony to it, doesn't it? Dracula saved him from that, only to ultimately bring him to a castle full of people who literally consider him livestock at best and would eat him at the drop of a hat. 
Perhaps in the long run, we'll find that there was an additional irony here. One assumes, after all, that Dracula only bothered to save Isaac in the first place because of Lisa's efforts to reform him, making it terribly funny, indeed, that Isaac thinks so highly of this vampire and so lowly of humankind. But more than anything, this scene serves to prove definitively that Carmilla is right and Hector is wrong. Dracula, in defiance of the assurances that he's given Hector, confesses to Isaac that he most assuredly does intend to end humanity outright. It's not going to be Hector's idea of a very Thanosy, eugenics-adjacent cull. It's not just a genocide or a decimation that Dracula is planning. It's total extinction. And so once again, I must reiterate... Carmilla is absolutely 100% completely right, even if she's being selfish. Godbrand, though, is a tad bit further away from entirely correct. He kind of is on the right track, sure, but he's also entitled and headstrong and very reckless. He convinces the other vampires, Carmilla excluded, to go out and hunt in a nearby town, and away they go in spite of Dracula's orders. They ravage the place, and though it's announced with Tonight We Feed, there's a lot less eating than there is wanton wasting of blood. But back to Dracula himself. It's very funny, I think, the way that he uses his own little magic mirror here. The best I can describe what tickles me about it is that it's a very modern take on magic. His movements are less old-school scrying and more futuristic interface. He scratches runes into the surface of the mirror like he's using the handwriting feature on an iPad, and I found it very amusing indeed. So from there, Dracula walks through the halls of his castle towards Isaac's little lair, stairs following him along the way. He can tell that public perception is starting to turn against him because he's not completely dumb, and broaching the subject with Isaac leads to a very demeaning conversation about Hector, in which they both paint him as, quote, a little boy in a man's body, which is just, like, rude. Like, he sees things differently than you do, and you're lying to him, above all else. It's not just that he's naive and oblivious. It's that he likes Dracula, and he doesn't want to believe that Dracula would actually, you know, destroy the whole world and everyone in it. Honestly, I'm pleased that Hector ultimately does betray these two assholes over the course of these three episodes, because Dracula needs to be stopped, and Isaac is just a fucking mess. Like, it's great that you think death will be peaceful and you're okay with dying and all that, Isaac. I get that. I feel it too a lot of the time. But most other people don't have that inside of them. And what kind of arrogant monster takes away not just one other person's choice whether to live or die, but everyone's? And on Dracula's side of things, honestly, if creepy-ass Isaac is your only friend, the only person you can confide in and trust to support you... Maybe you should take some time to, like, reflect on that reality, because it's a very bad sign. Now, though, we must take a detour to our slaughter scene, and, like, this shit only makes me even more confused about what the hell was wrong with Lisa. She managed to worm her way into the good graces of the one goddamn vampire who wouldn't have simply devoured her on sight, and then she just decided to stay human forever. Like, the fun of this massacre scene is in seeing how the various vampires differ in their methods. The Japanese vampire, in particular, is a spooky delight. But beyond this small degree of exploration of these mostly background characters, the point of the scene is in its brutality. Until now, the gore has largely been the result of the night creatures. Inhuman beasts, more animal than anything else, many of them incredibly demonic-looking and or outright undead. But here the vampires themselves get to take their turn, and it's far more disturbing because of their resemblance to normal people. They are humanoid, and some of them may or may not have been humans themselves in the past, and they are wholly unstoppable. 
People don't even bother to fight back against them. Freezing or fleeing are the only responses we really see. And the power imbalance is so extreme that it makes me truly wonder what the hell was going on in Lisa's head. If I woke up tomorrow in a world like Castlevania's, a world full of predators like Godbrand and the rest, a world in which humans were fundamentally reduced to a prey species hunted by such truly overwhelming, impossible-to-survive super-predators, except for the occasional human who gets to be turned into one of those predators, you can bet your fucking ass that my life goal would immediately become vampirism. I'm going to find someone to turn me or I'm going to die fucking trying. The idea that Lisa is just out here running around so fully mortal that she can literally be burned at the stake by one stupid priest? I simply cannot wrap my mind around that. I demand, I outright demand the opportunity to pick Lisa's brain about what the hell was going on here. Because honestly, I'm increasingly sure that the woman was just outright insane. But back to her son and his new friends. We're doing more Sypha and Trevor's ship tease, and I've decided to be offended on Alucard's behalf that Sypha describes him as, quote, a cold spot in the room. I've had people say weird shit like that about me before, and spoiler alert, when people make those kinds of dumb, rude comments, what's usually happening is that they're picking up on a person's extreme depression, don't recognize it, and can't describe it without being accidentally unkind. And yeah, that's definitely what's happening here with Alucard. It's not just that he's lost a lot in his life, like Trevor and his own sadness. Alucard is literally, right now, preparing to murder his father, and neither Sypha nor Trevor really seem to be at all capable of understanding that that is going to be, you know, kind of fucking sad for him to experience. Like, can you guys grow some empathy, please? Oh my god. But back to Castle Dracula. Isaac is such a creep that even Godbrand can see it, and I feel kind of bad that Godbrand is so close and yet so far from being genuinely intelligent. Like Carmilla, he can see right through Dracula's bullshit. Unlike Carmilla, though, he lacks all the restraint, common sense, and nuance necessary to navigate this situation. While Carmilla goes to Hector and pleads her case carefully in a way designed to best appeal to him, Godbrand just waltzes right up to Dracula's number one fan in all creation and announces his intentions of betrayal. He is incredibly dumb. And then he's incredibly dead. How insulting for him to be killed by this wacky-ass human man. And there isn't even anyone to avenge him. Vampires in the Castlevania universe apparently turn to dust just like in Buffy, and so hiding the evidence of Godbrand's death is easy. Isaac walks to the heights of the castle and lets the wind carry what's left of Godbrand away. Carmilla, though, remains perhaps our most intelligent character. She does not yet know that Godbrand is dead, but she's already aware that he's missing. That he's not integral to her plans means that it probably won't matter in the long run, but at least someone in that damn castle is paying attention, because Dracula himself is most certainly not. Back at Trevor's ancestral home, Sypha is pulling her head out of her ass in terms of her cultural background. Like I said episodes ago, she's finally realized that it's stupid as fuck for the speakers to insist upon their oral traditions staying strictly oral. Being around this many books with so much historical information has shown her just what her people are sacrificing because of the way that they do things. And I rather hope that something comes of that. I don't want her to just change her mind on this. I want her to spread that sentiment around and do something with it. But the rest of what she's saying, standing up for Trevor in the face of Alucard's complaining about him, you know, I don't care what the rest of you guys think. It's very clear to me that Sypha is being written as Trevor's primary love interest, yes, but this, like, mutual bitchy rivalry dynamic that Trevor and Alucard are playing into is ripe for shipping. 
Like, there is enough subtext here that I'm not even entirely convinced that it's meant to just be subtext and not maybe foreshadowing. I don't think this show actually went for the OT3 because I feel like I would have heard about it if it had. But if the story does get there eventually, I will be fully 0% surprised. Alucard and Trevor have a slap-slap-kiss rom-com relationship written all over them. As they bicker, though, Saifa finds herself a clue. They get into a brief discussion of languages, referencing after the Enochian of a few episodes ago, the similarly fictional Adamic, as well as something called High Remembrance, which I think is entirely original to this series, and Chaldaic, which I assume is based off of Chaldean Neo-Aramaic. Most distressing about the scene, of course, is that we find out Castlevania's half-vampires are unfortunately Renesmee-adjacent, forcing one to wonder how old Alucard literally is, for all that he looks like an adult man. Outside the castle, Isaac and Hector are taking a walk. They're out there in the sun specifically to avoid being overheard by any of the vampires, because Hector wants to argue in favor of Carmilla's plan without letting on that it's, you know, Carmilla's plan. And they ultimately agree. They're going to move on Brela, and Hector is, as Carmilla says, a marvel. Isaac completely and utterly underestimates him. It's honestly kind of sad. And I've got to say, if I didn't prefer the idea of Carmilla as a strictly sapphic character, I could really see myself shipping her with Hector for at least, like, a fling. But another flashback shows us that Dracula once had quite a bit in common with Godbrand. In the past, he would lay waste to towns, or at least some of the people in them, just as the other vampires did in the previous episode. And so I would say that it's pretty indicative of his mental state right now that he's letting the night creatures do all the heavy lifting these days. Like, if you want to wipe out humanity, how about you go ahead and get up off your ass? Or perhaps the whole scene is really just an excuse to play in the whole Vlad the Impaler sandbox. And when Carmilla, triumphant, goes on a hint of a rant about the utter uselessness of the men who surround her, Hector gets himself rather ridiculously up in his feels. He doesn't take kindly to being dismissed as, quote, a child or an animal, which is both hypocritical and ironic. He thinks himself of vampires as animals, after all, and one wonders how he would feel if he found out that Dracula and Isaac both agree that he is essentially an easily fooled child. But then Carmilla calls him a puppy, and I just could really get behind this ship if I could just see her as, like, M-spec instead of lesbian. But then we're back to Trevor Belmont. Saifa has found a key to their success. Maybe. It's a locking spell, she calls it, a way to keep Dracula's castle from just zipping away whenever the going gets tough. And Trevor and Alucard's faces when Saifa very cheerily declares herself an enemy of God? Yes, thank you, that is peak comedy. Saifa and the speakers just skyrocketed in my estimation. Please give me more of that sweet, sweet blasphemy. But alas, as Alucard says, it's not God who is trying to break into the secret basement at the Belmont place. No, that's a small band of Hector's monsters instead. And I've got to say, these creature character designs are fucking dope. I love them all from the blindfolded creeper and the spooky scary birdman to the big hulking fucker whose swole ass arms kind of remind me a bit of Endigomon from the Digimon movie. Anyway, Alucard and Trevor bicker a bit before the battle begins, to which I say, just kiss already. And Saifa tries to get her plan with the mirror going while Trevor buys her time. It's a lovely hint of the long-term battle dynamics that these three could have, and I desperately want to see more of that. Hopefully, the show will make good use of them as a balanced trio when they inevitably get to their showdown with Dracula. But before Saifa and Alucard can nail down Dracula's castle, the old man moves it. Just as Carmilla wanted, he takes it to Brela, meaning that while Trevor and the gang start the first phase of their plan against Dracula, so too does Carmilla put her own scheme into action. 
Now, I am genuinely heartbroken over what appears to be about to happen to the Belmont family home here, and I fear I must genuinely ask these lovely monsters, what the hell did all these books ever do to you? Leave them alone. But over in Brela, Carmilla's plan is fucking cool, actually. She's got that shitty priest's corpse on a leash, and she sends him into the river to bless it. It's news to me that an undead priest can successfully make holy water, but I guess I'm alright with it? Also, the character design of Carmilla's forces at Brela is just shockingly Thalmor, and, well, it's honestly a little bit distracting. I find so much of this show just so delightful in so many ways, and that's honestly one of them. Yes, the animation is beautiful, the characters are intriguing, the designs of the characters and the creatures are all utterly great, but so much of the whole experience of this show is very reminiscent for me of other stories and worlds that I love so much, and I think that might be what I like the best about it. Anyway, as Carmilla breaks it to Hector that his days at Dracula's side are now over, I just... I'm really this close to giving in. These two could be such a delicious pairing, and I kind of have to wonder if there's anything good over on AO3. I don't think I should check yet. That way could lie spoilers. But I really want to go check. But Carmilla's plan, for now, is not meant to be. Saifa is putting her own plan into effect, which results in an awesome segment involving the resistant castle and the Blessed River. And though the battle makes it into the castle before Saifa manages to drag it to the Belmont Manor, it's hardly a true victory for anyone. At least not yet. And I wonder, since this is only season two of four, whether this season is going to end in victory, stalemate, or defeat. So, as I finish up this recording, I'm going to be sitting down in a few minutes, to watch the final two episodes of this season. Like I said, there are two more seasons after this, and I don't know what exactly we're going to be doing here. A part of me very strongly suspects that we're not going to be resolving this plotline. It's possible that we will, but for Dracula to be in some capacity defeated at two out of four seasons, would surprise me, honestly. So I'm kind of suspecting that what we're going to be doing is a battle that maybe ends in defeat, like a minor setback. We have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off in season three, and start over again. Alternately, we could do a, you know, Myotismon thing. We defeat him, or so it seems, and then he comes back bigger and stronger than ever before. And I realize only after I say that that I definitely referenced my Otismon there because he's very Dracula-y. Anyway, um, I'm just very interested to find out what happens here. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping, that nothing is going to happen to Carmilla that removes her from the plot going forward. Um, obviously now Dracula knows that he's been betrayed. He knows that the plan that was just put into effect is Carmilla's. I am hoping that by virtue of her being in Brela and the rest of the story moving to the Belmont family home, Carmilla is safe from being killed at the end of this season. Um, I'm hoping to see her in future seasons, as a matter of fact. Um, I assume she'll, you know, in the future have some more scenes with Hector. Um, I wonder if we're going to see the other vampires come into play in these final two episodes. 
I'm sure Isaac is going to have something to do. I'm honestly kind of hoping that he does die because I am not enjoying him as a character. I don't even know if I feel like it's, you know, a lost opportunity, like a squandered waste of potential. He just strikes me as super annoying. And I feel like for me to want to see him on screen, there needs to be something else, something more to him than we've seen so far. But at the end of all things, he does seem to be painfully simple. And I don't mean that in like a intellectual kind of way. I mean, there's just not much to him. I think he is a bit, he, he lacks a bit of introspection, perhaps, of his own motives. Perhaps he doesn't understand himself. Perhaps there are depths to him that even he doesn't really see. But even those depths that may or may not be there, they come across as very shallow. There just doesn't seem to be a lot to him. Unlike Hector, who, you know, for all everyone around him wants to keep calling him a, a naive little boy, he's very interesting. You could do a lot with his character. You could do a lot with Isaac in the future, of course, but it would take something big to really fundamentally change him, because right now, he's clearly very set in his ways. He is, he thinks of himself as fully formed. And so he is not going to change without something enormous happening. And I don't feel like I want to see that, because that would take a considerable amount of investment to pull off. Having him arc into another kind of character from the character that he is would not be an insignificant arc. And I don't know that I want that much time invested in a character that I don't really like when there are so many other characters that I do. But we have two entire seasons of this show to go. I think that they're both 10 episodes. Don't quote me on it. I'm not going to double check at this moment, but I believe that this is the last eight episode season. What was season one? Season one was four. This one was eight. And I think the last two are both 10. So that is a lot of ground to cover. We have more of this show left than we have gone through. So we haven't even hit the halfway point yet. And there's so much left that we could do. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm enjoying this show. I think it's very pretty. I think it's very fun. I love all the characters. I love so many of the the DNA that's baked into this is so much of the DNA of other stories and franchises that I enjoy so much, and I'm just loving the little remix of it. Um, and I'm really hoping that if we do resolve this first major plot line in these next two episodes, I'm hoping that whatever comes next is going to be just as interesting. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I have not been spoiled, I don't think, on anything that's coming in the future. So, I guess with that said, that's my coverage of Castlevania Season 2, Episodes 4, 5, and 6. I'm going to be back very soon with my coverage of Castlevania Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8. If you're interested in my reaction videos to those episodes, those are available to $5 and up patrons. If you are interested in helping me decide what it is that I'm going to be watching, in conjunction with or after Castlevania. Polls are available to $1 patrons. If you are enjoying this podcast, you may be interested in leaving a rating or a review on your favorite podcatcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you found it. Alternately, just keep coming back and listening for free. Everything helps. Everything is very much appreciated. The idea that anyone is paying any amount of their time 
towards listening to this is just a delight. So as always, thank you so much for listening and I hope you join me again next week. Jesus, why was that so loud? Holy fuck. And it's just an alert to tell me the weather. Oh my God. <laughs>